Here we go. My name is Maggie Reekman, and welcome to American Bittersweet, a podcast series about the National Willa Cather Center in Red Cloud, Nebraska, and the people here who keep the legacy of the 20th century American writer alive. Like Cather, the organization is complex in a way that cannot be contained within one genre, one environment, or one podcast episode alone. The featured interviews between myself and various employees are meant to highlight how the educational mission of the foundation is bolstered by each individual in their collaborative efforts, values, and perspectives. Today, I'm talking via Zoom with Catherine, the the marketing coordinator who is working remotely for the National Will Catherine Center. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for talking with me today. Well, thanks for having me. How are you doing today in... um, where were you in Kentucky? Well, we're down in, um, I work from our farm, which is in South Central Kentucky, um, about maybe an hour north of the Tennessee border and about 90 minutes south of Lexington. So okay. um, we're in knob country. So it's very rolling, open land with some woodland and quite beautiful, actually. Very different than the prairie. Yeah. Yeah. Red Cloud's got some hills, but probably not near as many trees. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing. yeah. I always love going out there because of the openness and um, just to experience the different landscape. And I drive, so it's really a great way to sort of segue into being in Red Cloud when I can be. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm taking a train from Hastings to Chicago next week, and I think um, it'd be really cool to take a train into Red Cloud like Cather used to and just see the change oh, yeah. of landscape just like very slowly and gradually getting into the prairie. Yeah, I would love to do that. Sometime I will. I'll have someone drive me to Chicago, and I'll just take take the Amtrak. Yeah, and how's the weather in Kentucky compared to here? That's um, a really, I t- guess, a mundane topic, but I'm curious. Oh, no, I'm I'm weather obsessed, which is another reason I love to, to be on the prairie and see the changing clouds and all of that. But, yeah, it tends to be more humid here. We've had a rainy summer, but... Um, we'll have some heat in the nineties, but, um, the best times of year here are spring and fall when it's a really long season. And, um, you know, I can have all the windows open, which I love cause I, I don't like to have the air conditioning on, but it is a necessity. So, <laughs> yeah, I think weather talk is totally underestimated because I feel like it's a universal way to like have a conversation with people. Um, I don't know. I love reading like antique postcards because they're just like always talking about the weather, no matter like what's on the face of the postcard. If, even if it's like a fantastic view, it's always like, well, we just got into blank and blank in the city of blank and blank in the state of blank and blank. And this is the weather and we're going to yeah. get here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I am known to drive my family crazy when a storm's coming because I love to photograph storms and I also follow the radar obsessively. So definitely, definitely a favorite topic with me. That's awesome. Well, I guess we'll get into my questions that I have for you. Um, first of all, how long have you been working for the National Willie Catherine Center? And you can kind of get into um, the trajectory of your career here, I don't know if you were remote the entire time or if you started in Red Cloud and moved and, you know, stayed associated? Well, yeah, um, actually, I started three years ago in October of uh, 2018. And in that first 18 months, I was just thinking this over the weekend, um, I was able to be in Red Cloud for five or six different visits for three or four weeks at a time. And My last visit was six weeks right before COVID, really. So I came back 
um, to the farm in February of uh, 2020, and I really haven't left since. So I, I really miss that connection because when Ashley and I first started talking about the possibility of having a remote position like this, um, she had wanted me to come out three times a year, which I was more than happy to do. Um, in fact, I've loved it. And, um, but also to have the connection here because, um, moving and, and picking up and all of that with, I had younger kids still in high school. Um, there we're an empty nest now, but we still have the farm responsibilities. So, um, it's worked out really well, um, for me at least. And I hope for the organization, but I, I'd actually approached Ashley in, um, 2015 when there was another position um, open because I'd been a long-term lifelong Willa Cather fan and had followed the organization remotely and it just didn't work out to while I was interviewed it it just was not a good fit for the position at the time Um, and then the marketing coordinator position came available and I was watching the job listing throughout 2020 or 2018, excuse me. And I applied and um, it just, it's a long story, but it worked out that um, she was able to divide up another position and I did the marketing piece and the other person did the coordinating locally at at the opera house and other tasks, um, pretty much what Elise does now. Okay. Um, So that worked out great. And I started out three days a week. Um, and surprisingly, I think as everyone has realized during the remote period in COVID, um, that you can work remotely with your computer and good Wi-Fi on pretty much anything, unless it involves, um, direct experience with people coming in the door or programming and all of that. Um, so, I think um, it's just been a really good fit, but I do need that personal in-person component as well, you know, just for silly things like taking photographs or just Mm -hmm. getting a sense of of the team and other things that are happening in Red Cloud. So I I enjoy that. So um, you had said you were a, you know, full life Willa Cather fan. Um, How do you remember how you became introduced to her? and how you became more heavily involved with the NWCC. For example, did you attend conferences? Um, Did you ever visit Red Cloud as a tourist to begin? No, actually, in fact, um, I had traveled throughout the West and had always wanted to take a side trip up to Red Cloud. Um, But, you know, as you know, it's, it's a bit more remote. So... I actually, to backtrack, grew up in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Oh! Um, my, my grandparents had a farm, so we used to go visit them from Ohio every summer, and we moved there full-time when I was 11, and um, O Pioneers was sort of the required reading in, I think, 10th grade English um, in the local high school, but I had actually read it with a really good friend of ours who I used to visit weekly and we'd have tea and read aloud and she had been a huge Cather fan um, herself. So she was a children's writer and she actually wrote an essay on Cather in some publication about New England. Um, But yeah, so I I sort of always had her in the ether and my grandmother was a huge fan, Um, but they had moved to Jaffrey 
two years before Cather died. And of course, Cather hadn't been back in Jaffrey for many years. So I had always hoped, you know, they had met or something, but that didn't happen. But so, yeah, I read O Pioneers and I read My Antonia and I just loved her writing. And as I went through college and all of that, I started reading more of her works and just really identified with her. And also um, my best friend, um, they lived on the farm where Cather used to pitch her tent to um, write during her morning spent at the Shattuck Inn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. And and the my friend's mother was an English professor. So, of course, she was very much into Cather and stories about her and um, just just all of that. So, yeah, it just really shaped my my early years in American literature. Wow. Yeah, she had mentioned this a little bit, but uh, Jaffrey, New Hampshire was where Catherine would often go to write. I think she finished My Antonia there in that pitch tent where she'd write. Yes. Yeah. And um, she also is buried there alongside Edith. And I haven't been. Yes. Have you been to that cemetery then? Oh, yeah. In fact, um, a lot of my friends lived. It was then called Jaffrey Center, and we were on the other side of town, practically in another town so I would go up there and visit and we'd walk around it was just a beautiful classic or is a classic beautiful New England village setting and um the the Shattuck Inn was only about a mile walk from that area and I don't know if you've seen it but um there's a photograph I think one of the few photographs of Willa Cather and Edith Lewis and they're sitting on a bench on a on a open area with some buildings behind. Well, that's actually photographed on the the Jaffrey Center Common right by the Jaffrey Meeting House. So I imagine they walked there quite a bit on their afternoon strolls. Um, And it it just makes perfect sense to me that she would have wanted to be buried in the Jaffrey um, burial ground, the old burial ground, because there was a view of the mountain at the time. um, And it just, it's a very connective place. I wonder how she came about discovering that place or if Edith had known about it or if they just stumbled upon it in their travels. feels very romantic, like a little getaway town. I don't know. Yeah. No, it is. It's beautiful. It's classic Courier Knives. Mount Monadnock sort of overwhelms the whole landscape, which has been a magnet for artists and writers for well over a century now. Um, As I understand it, I think they were they were going to Grand Manan or Manan. I'm not sure how you say it. And I believe there were friends in Jaffrey or friends visiting the Shattuck Inn. Um, and that's when Willa was first introduced to the area. And then she went many times over the years after 1917. But I believe they'd always start in um, Grand Manan and then go down on their way back to New York. And Edith Lewis wasn't always with her, but I believe she was with her quite a bit. Yeah, and when, um, Grand Manan, right, is that off of New Brunswick, right? It's an yes. island that they had kind of a, a demodernized cabin where they would go stay, right? Like there weren't a lot of um, modern conveniences that they had known. Yeah, no, I believe it was very rustic and yeah. um, that bracing main air or or – uh, coastal air and water and um, I believe it was a, a sort of informal writer's colony or artist colony oh, wow. of mostly women mm. I think that's detailed in um, 
Melissa Homestead's recent book. Oh, I want to read that. Um, what is that's called? The only wonderful things, right? Yes, yes, yes. and that um, title actually is it's from, from the love letter. Was, yeah, <laughs> which is just mind blowing. When I first read it in the collected letters, I just oh, it's so beautiful. it's jaw dropping. It's just magnificent, and it, it captures that whole natural experience of being by the mountain and oh, and the the stars and it's it's pretty cosmic but also um just you can so see intimate. the devotion. yeah I feel like it's so intimate like I was reading Andy Jewell's comments about the letters on an article online and I think it's so true when he says that talking about these cosmic happenings and our own individual experiences with the universe which is much larger than us like when we look up to the sky it's something very intimate and romantic that you do not engage with just anybody. So I feel like that was one of his reasons for solidifying and believing in their romantic relationship because you're not just going to talk about that with a roommate. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I agree. And I, I would just, oh, I would, as um, Melissa also points out, you don't have a lot of letters between you when you're living with someone. True. So I do wonder, though, what else might be out there. And it also interests me that it's in the National Willa Cather Center collection. Um, mm. And it's it's really a gem, of course, to have in the collection. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty magnificent. And that letter was written from the Shattuck Inn, right? When Willa was staying there um, yes. without Edith. Yeah, and I believe from their third floor rooms, and she talks about often in her other letters about having an adjoining room with Edith, and she'll refer to them as, as your room or our rooms. Um, and she would have been looking out at dusk, I believe, um, at the mountain with the western sunset and the, and the stars rising. So I believe she, she liked that setting because... Um, going back to her room in Red Cloud uh, with the, the sloping ceilings and feeling that sense of uh, security and yeah. containment and coziness. Yeah. So and Ashley pointed out once that the rooms at Grand Manan were the same way um, and very rustic, unfinished sort mm. of wood or in her case, in her childhood room with wallpaper. But the Shattuckin, I, I did have a tour several times before they tore it down. And um, it's just your classic rustic New England getaway with all the amenities. And of course, she had the meal plan. So all she needed to worry about was her her writing and her walking and just really enjoying um, the space and the time to have to do all of that. It so like it's very dream. enviable. Yeah. <laughs> And that idea about the similarities in rooms is so interesting to me. I never thought about that or it had never been brought up to me before. But thinking about how she called her childhood room like windows, the windows to the world, like I bet that notion kind of transferred to every subsequent room that she inhabited. Oh, this I believe idea so. idea that you yeah. can feel safe in your own individualized space, but you can still have an outlet to work outward, to look outward and to... I don't know, interact with the world in a way that is safe for you? I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I think you said it beautifully. Um, I love her letters, too, that she writes about when she and Edith are remodeling, or not remodeling, but redecorating and settling into another place. And you can tell that her surroundings were very important to her, yeah. um, like most people. But 
I, I just a certain, I would love to have seen photos of their apartments because I imagine they were just very individual and perfect spaces for them. Yeah, after reading uh, Edith's biography of her, is that called like Willie Cather Living or something like that, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yeah. I love the descriptions of, you know, Willie Cather being somewhat of a homebody, but she also liked traveling, which kind of gets into the duality of her. But also, I loved how she could just entertain at her home and just have long conversations with people without even taking notes, but then she could really accurately depict them if she was going to use their character in her literature. And yeah, I don't know, I've talked about this a bit with other folks I've interviewed, but her ability to see people almost anthropologically and to kind of um, have a lens that gives agency to their character and their stories. And I just feel like that's ideal for someone who's going to write narratives. Oh, I think absolutely. I'd never thought of it that way, but she really did. Um, I think have we were talking about this in staff meeting today, the ability to listen and be a good listener and take it in. And I think she must have just been really good at observation and listening, even as a young child, when she formed most of these memories. But um, yeah, you know, she's definitely one of those people I would love to have at a dinner party, you know, when someone asks you that question. Mm -hmm. um, because I think her sense of humor must have been really, really dry and mm -hmm. fun and uh, wry as well. Yeah, I agree. That would have been a treat to sit down with her and to just pick her brain. Um, and I'm sure you probably wouldn't even have to pick her brain. I'm sure if you just asked her one question, she could get going and it would just be a really fruitful conversation. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so we've answered a couple more of the questions, so I'm going to skip ahead a bit. This is veering toward your, you know, individual everyday work, um, kind of by divergence from our conversation about Cather and the romantic aspects of her personality in life. But could you walk me through a day uh, in your job and what it looks like, especially with the remote aspect? Sure. Um, well, I usually start by checking my email and answering any questions or doing little tasks right away um, and checking social. I'd like to keep on top of that. Um, and then I might work on a project throughout the morning for um, the e-news, which I do two e-newsletters a month. So each of those takes about three days total when you combine all the editing and everything, but it's hard to gauge sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, so I'll do, do that. I work on marketing projects um, beyond press releases, um, larger marketing um, and media pitching. Um, and usually, you know, just any manner of things. Social media can be a great and necessary rabbit hole, but it can also, um, you could spend full time there, uh, or I could. And I have in the past. And when I was hired, I really spent a lot of time getting those accounts rejuvenated or, or boosted or whatever. Um, and that's a fun part of the job too. Uh, and just, you know, just being available for anyone's um, needs for press releases or, um, you know, just a lot of website related things and uploads. And so it's, it's a bit of everything, a lot of uh, left brain and right brain work and combo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. big picture and details. It's a good combination. And some days I'm better at one than the other. So can you kind of list the different social media accounts that you oversee and manage? 
Yeah, yeah. We um, the Facebook, the National Willa Cather Center Facebook account, um, and the Red Cloud Opera House Facebook account. Those were the two core accounts, and um, then we added uh, or rejuvenated rather um, the Instagram account for National Willa Cather Center and the Twitter account. And those are all at Willa Cather FDN. Um, and then recently we've added the Cather Second Home Guest House to Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, Jen oversees that because she's there a lot. And so she contributes photos and more in the moment things. Mm -hmm. And we have a YouTube account, the oh. National Willa Cather Center account. Um, that's not as active, but we have been posting videos, especially at the start of COVID when we were doing a lot of remote or um, virtual tours and programming. Um, and I know I'm forgetting one, maybe not. I think that's okay. pretty comprehensive. <laughs> so you do those things in addition to posting content on the website, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a more regular stream of content, of course, and, and varied and, um, yeah, it's just, it's fun to see what people are interested in. And I always love a fresh voice or someone else contributing because it does sort of open up that realm because you do get in your little box sometimes when you're doing something for a long time. Yeah. So it was really nice last week or two weeks ago, time is a construct. Um, Catherine interviewed Tara and I, uh, Tara is, um, another humanities intern here. She works in the archive with Tracy. I'm not sure if I mentioned her, but we'll be interviewing her later this week. But um, she interviewed us and asked us question, questions to feature us in the e-news, right? Or the website, something like that. Yes. Yeah. In fact, um, yeah, you went into the e-news last week and then we put you up on social media as well. So, yeah. and we had lovely feedback to that. Oh yeah, that's great. And then I had no idea that Catherine Second Home had an Instagram. I had not been in it until... Last Friday was my last official day of the internship, though I'll be back to help for streetcar days. But Jen actually took Tara and I on a tour of the home, and I was just awestruck. I knew it was going to be nice. I'd seen some photos online, but walking through the space and the really unique architecture and those, like, just super ornate rugs and the rooms, and it's just so homey and... It feels so warm. I don't know. Like, I went to the Kaylee house for a tour earlier this summer. Um, Sally Hansen gave me a tour, and that was just, it's beautiful in there. But, I don't know, the Catherine Second Home, there's just, like, some magical, intangible element of it that made me feel so happy and whole <laughs> as a human being. I agree. <laughs> I think it's very cozy. I've never stayed there, but, yeah, it does have a warm atmosphere, certainly. And, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's, I think they're finishing the porch up. And yeah. so, um, we'll be adding more, you know, content to that account as we can photograph more. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly new. We haven't promoted it a lot because of the, the construction and everything, but mm -hmm. yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they stay there, they just find that same experience. And yeah. And I only um, just walked through it. I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to come back here and stay. I need to stay one night here and one night at Hotel Garber. <laughs> when I'm yeah. an established oh, yeah. adult. <laughs> that definitely. That would be just magnificent. I love the minor house though. I, I, I stayed at the minor house this entire summer and it's, you know, a similarly really nice renovated space that incorporates history and coziness. 
And um, Catherine, you usually stay in the minor house, right, when you visit Red Cloud? Yes. Yeah, that's been my home away from home. In fact, I think I wrote you that excuse the little box in the closet, um, which I intended to, of course, come back for spring conference last year. So I still feel I have vestiges of myself out there. But yeah, I love the minor house, too, for the same reasons you describe. And the big clawfoot bathtub. um, My God, the bathtub. Isn't that (laughs) wonderful? Um, Do you stay in the front room or or the red room? The front room. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my favorite. Yeah, that is the biggest room that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> um, so your little boxes didn't really deter any of my experience. It was it was just great. And yeah, you're so right about the bathtub. I miss it, and I look forward to taking one last bath when I come back to Red Cloud. <laughs> but I used all my bubble yeah. bath last week. I made you know a large bubble bath with the rest of my bubbles. I had probably like three tablespoons left and I just poured it in there. So I don't know how I'm going to make my bubbly. <laughs> I'll need to bring like a couple of candles. I would just set like four candles on that windowsill. I think I actually made some scorch marks. I'm sorry, Jen and Jim and Karen. Um, but yeah, I would just turn on the tunes like Lord's Melodrama album and then have the lights off and look out the uh-huh. window. One time it was storming. I was told after the fact that I should not take a bath when it's storming, but it oh, was a yes. great, um, it was a great experience and I'm glad that I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, there can be some wild storms, that's for sure. Um, my first February, in fact, yeah, it was my first February. I was there last year as well. It snowed the entire month and I loved it because I hadn't experienced a snowy winter since we lived in new england and um yeah i mean talking about weather again but yeah i love the front rooms and the the light Mm. and another really special place and i don't know if you've talked to nancy peaky but she and her husband donated the house and did a lot of the renovating and um I believe in the early nineties. I could be wrong about that. I think but they purchased the house she, in 1990 and then I think they finished up restorations in 2001 on their end, then donated oh. the house with the further funding. I just have to learn it for the tour. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. You know more about it than I do. Um, I've never talked yeah. to them though. Yeah, they're, they're great. And um, that was quite a donation. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Place. Yeah. I love it. And even that little like reading nook. I mean, there's just like lots of cute little details. Yeah. Yeah. No television, which is actually a really good thing for me. Yeah. I've written probably 50 postcards (laughs) while living there. Listen to lots of podcasts. I downloaded a lot of podcasts. So I'm pretty extroverted. So I was really fearful going into the experience. Like I'm going to be so sad and lonely and continually freaked out by this old house. But I, I don't know. I got a lot of good energies there and I had my nice podcast and music background noise and it was great. And I, I think for a solid month and a half, I was just slowly working on a puzzle. I think I mentioned in the email that a thousand piece puzzle does fit on the dining room table without oh, the leaves. Oh, yes. Yeah. So where do you eat? Do you just sit in the on reading On top of the puzzle. Or? Lots of crumbs were on the puzzle. <laughs> but I just sit there and eat, listen to my podcast and work on it. It was great. It was a fun experience. And it was even better when Tara came because I had someone to talk to besides myself. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Anyways, um, back to your work. <laughs> so how do you prioritize and compartmentalize all the different social media platforms and outreach, as well as, you know, 
and the collaborations that you have with other people like Ashley and going to staff meetings and all these various tasks that you do? Well, I, I keep an ear out for what's happening and what's coming up. Um, and staff are, are really good about keeping me in the loop. And of course, regular Zoom meetings are really helpful for that too. Um, so I feel really much, very much a part of things. Um, even though I'm, you know, 900 miles away, mm. I feel that connection, um, whether it's through email or Zoom or the occasional phone call. Um, and Ashley and I touch base regularly too. And just yesterday, in fact, um, that sculpture, I don't know if you've seen it, but... I saw a photo. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ashley posted that and um, I had not known it was arriving. So it was great that she she did that and featured it and we, we snuck it into the e-news that's going out later this afternoon Where is and that um, things center? like that are great. Or at least we'll take a photograph of a bookstore display that I can't possibly take. And then we'll, we'll fold that into a, a marketing promotion for products. Um, what I love to do and perhaps have been, um, have done too much at times is I like to create photo postcards with an image I've taken while in red cloud and I'll overlay it with a quote from Willa Cather. Mm. Um, those I did quite a bit at the beginning and those actually generated a lot of followers, um, and new, new people coming in who would, you know, things like that are shared a lot. So I look for ways to not only promote what's happening or, you know, history moments or collection pieces and things like that. Um, but I also look for ways that, would be popular for, for people that might not know much about Willa Cather. Um, and of course a picture does tell a yeah. thousand words, or whatever that comment is, yeah. but easily I could take this job and be full time with it and add things like Pinterest or, um, LinkedIn or, you know, God forbid TikTok, which actually <laughs> a lot of travel people are doing and using that now. But, um, like Ashley says, let's, let's take the, the channels that we have and, and do as much as we can with them. And that's, that's the challenge. And it's also a challenge not to spend too much time in them because there is, there is other work to do, mm -hmm. but it's fabulous for, you know, it's all free. Um, it's a whole new world of marketing. And in fact, one of my big challenges in recent months, in fact, in fact, this past year has been the reality that with virtual programming, you have the whole world to market to. And when you do a Facebook boost ad, you have to geographically define your area. So of course you can imagine for a virtual program, that's very difficult within a fixed budget um, for the advertising. And, and that's been, you know, a whole new realm Look, looking for new outlets like virtual listings, um, reaching out to editors, in a new way for promotion. But of course you're competing with virtually every other virtual program as well, but it just, it really um, gives us so much potential that is well beyond Nebraska. In fact, it's well beyond national um, because I'm always conscious that we're not just Nebraskan and Red Cloud, we're also national and now international in, in the sense of virtual. So, um, it's it's a challenge. It's it's a good challenge, but it's a challenge. So are you saying social media kind of extends your target audience to just kind of a limitless sort of goal of, you know, reaching and bringing in anyone that you can and who's interested? 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tagging is good. Um, working with other organizations, sharing their information. Um, there's a Willa Cather website actually that's run by Vintage Press. Mm-hmm. They have 10,000 followers. And I, I don't know if a lot of those followers think that that's the foundation or if they're even aware of the foundation, but I'm always trying to get posts on there so that we can, you know, eke people over to our world and, and uh, things like that, you know, and it's just, it's been fun to grow the followers on all of the channels and uh, Facebook is still our main demographic, I believe. Um, But Instagram is picking up and Twitter, Twitter is actually where I get a lot of interesting information from um, freelance writers and journalists and who also follow us. So that's a really good um, platform for us. It's not perhaps as popular for most of our followers, but um, it's been good to form connections there for the organization. So you can, can you describe some of those interactions that you get with online content, um, what that usually looks like or any specific anecdotes that come to mind that have resonated with you? Uh, yeah, well, actually the other day there was a post that we actually had to hide. Um, Uh we very, very rarely get something contentious. It's always very friendly and chatty and it's nice to see people engaging, um, in the comments. Um, and it's also nice to see other organizations, uh, share our work or follow us and, um, it's just, it's like a front porch, a virtual front porch community in a sense. Um, that's been really fun. And I couldn't have done any of this for the organization if I hadn't joined Facebook back in 2009, which corresponded with our move here. Mm-hmm. And when I was suddenly, you know, without my circle of friends. And um, so the time when all of the teenagers were getting off Facebook because their moms <laughs> were getting off. Um, so, but yeah, so that's been, it's been really fun to, to do all of that. And I have to admit there's times where I just have to shut it all off because the thing about social, as you know, is it can be a 24 seven thing. And when you're with an organization and you're promoting things, it's just all too tempting to check it throughout the weekend. And sometimes I do because we have a weekend program and that's not a problem, but, um, yeah, it's just harder to shut it down. Um, but I think it's a place that people go and get a lot of news about what's happening with us. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation like piece as well. Uh, thinking about social media being integral to your job because there's a lot going around about like self-care and making sure that social media isn't taking over your life. Well, what if it's your job? And um, exactly. yeah, the, um, the possible and potential toxicity of social media is not only like, I guess, the basic comparing yourself to others when we speak about, um, I don't know, like image. And you're just, I was just talking to my doctor. I had a doctor's appointment before this and she was talking about um, watching TikToks of this girl who met her husband in Italy and like is living the so-called perfect life so that's like one aspect of social media where it's like um you see only the best parts of someone's life and you're just comparing the worst parts of your life to their best parts even though you don't even see the whole 
And then um, there's another aspect where it's just all so time consuming and um, just time flies when you're on social media and you kind of feel bad about yourself because it's hard to equate productivity with social media. But in your job, I'm sure you have to um, do that sort of mental work to say like, yeah, I'm and being productive because this is my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it can be a fun place to be if I want to perhaps avoid doing something else. But um, I'm learning to balance all of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite a world we live in. And I often wonder what Willa Cather would think of social mm. media. I don't think she'd be a huge fan. So there's that daily irony. <laughs> I think Willa Cather would be like that person who has accounts just so they can go see what her contemporaries are doing. Like, hey, what's Mark Twain posting? But, um, but she herself doesn't have any posts because she's like, maybe she does like a post every once in a while. Like, thank you for this Pulitzer Prize, guys. Okay, thank you. But she hasn't posted yeah. anything with Edith because she's like, that's my life. She doesn't post anything of Red Cloud or her homes or Grand Manon or Shattuckin because she's like, I am separating my life from my my personal life from my professional life because I am not going to be totally accessible to all of you because I think she had a lot of values around her privacy considering she didn't want any of her letters published she didn't want her books adapted into film or anything like that oh yeah yeah her editor probably would have made her get a facebook account at least yeah. and she would have hated it yeah her profile <laughs> picture would have been that photo of her in the green coat or something or her passport photo and yeah she would have just posted what she needed to to you know adhere to the requirements of a contemporary author because i'm sure it's difficult being an author or writer or whatever sort of creative career someone has without having a social media platform and you know that's just the way to be like relevant now I feel yeah and it's funny I was listening to a Fran Lebowitz interview a really old one from about 20 years ago and she was saying how you know she wasn't on social media she didn't have this or that I don't think she even had a television she didn't read newspapers and now 20 years forward she doesn't have a smartphone or even a cell phone as far as I know. And it, I'm envious, of course, she's not writing a lot either, but I'm envious of any writer um, or person that can exist in the world now without social media. Yeah. Um, and I personally have been on my accounts much less. And there are times I just want to, you know, get rid of them entirely, but it's a great way to keep in touch with yeah. old friends and my kids and, um, so, yeah, it's a real struggle and a dichotomy of, of uh, um, distraction versus necessity. <laughs> yeah, and I do think um, I do think there exists artists who have, you know, a fan base strong enough, loyal enough. Um, like, I've, I'm sure Cather would have been like this where if she... I feel like there are enough loyal Cather fans out there who just love reading her work that they'd be okay if her social media presence wasn't I love this hypothetical we're getting into but if her social yeah. media presence wasn't as overwhelming as others I think um she would still maintain people who would just stick around for the writing because it reminds me I talked about Lord earlier how I'd play her when I was taking baths <laughs> but how um, old is she now I was thinking the other day didn't she start off as a 16 year old yeah, singer I think she's 23 she's not that much older than me so that's another thing of comparison where it's like I will never be as great of it but I mean again I'm not working on my singing or anything but Lord is just untouchable but she just kind of after she comes out with an album goes on tour she just disappears off the face of the earth and now she's kind of coming back coming out with new music and people love her more than ever so I don't yeah maybe it's not about like relevancy 
but about, um, you know, boundaries, <laughs> like, um, I think that's boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And you're that's saying, a good point. Yeah. I think, um, once a boundaries, even like on any platform is established, pe people who care, who want to read your, re your writing, who want to listen to your music will stick around and, um, check in once you're out of your little hiding hole. <laughs> Yeah, and it creates a certain mystique as well. I mean, look at Salinger yeah. Um, yeah. up in New Hampshire, another New Hampshire-associated writer. But mm -hmm. um, I agree. I think it's just all about boundaries in yeah. anything. We love boundaries. <laughs> but that was a fun tangent. Thank you. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then on to the question, how do you see your position and work articulating with the educational mission of the National Will Cather Center to kind of zoom out a little bit? Because you're talking about how you feel that you do belong and you feel you have these connections and really valuable collaborations. So in the big scope of things, how do you find your work articulating? Well, I think just to be a backbone, um, a what's the word I'm looking for, communication backbone mm -hmm. or voice for the organization um, on a regular basis. And that's definitely in the social media aspect, but also um, just really supporting the programming that happens through the education department or initiatives like the rebranding of the organization that mm -hmm. happened back in 2019 um, when we went from the Willa Cather Foundation publicly to the National Willa Cather Center. Um, the various grants that come up that are so exciting that we get, it's always fun to promote those. Um, and really, my, my long-term goal is to get more national exposure for mm -hmm. the organization. And, um, you know, international, great, but national would be good enough. And, of course, there's always going to be that like you said, the niche group of followers, but um, I believe 2022 is going to be a really exciting chance to really get us out there more as much as we can in terms of not only with the sculpture going to um, the capital of Willa Cather's sculpture representing Nebraska, but the um, centenary of one of ours, which of mm. course has so many parallels to now yes. with the pandemic, um, that word we're all just so tired of, but, mm -hmm. um, but also, um, you know, how we're expanding virtually is really exciting. And I think we just, oh, we have the anniversaries coming up. We have the 150th birthday of yes. uh, Willa Feather, I believe in 2023, which is also the Pulitzer Prize um, centenary and then she and Edith I believe next year will be the 75th anniversary of Willa's death and the mm. 50th of Edith's which is interesting I mean it's not something you focus on as much but they're just always things to think about and promote and I really like to think down the road about what's coming so I can start thinking of ways to market and of course then the big challenge is getting people to hear you or pick you up or whatever. And, um, we just have a lot of opportunity for that in the next year. So I'm excited about that. And it's also a little, not terrifying, but daunting <laughs> to, you know, cause I want to, I want to do that for the organization and, um, but other people out there in the media land might not be as interested as I think they should be. So that's the, that's the challenge. Yeah. It's interesting because 
I think there are little Willa Cather pockets like all over the world. I was reading some old reviews and um, there's been a very interested like study group and uh, fan group in Japan, I think, since like the 1960s, for example. So I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure if there's like, you know, some sort of organization that exists there that still communicates with us. But um, I think what you're saying, it's about showing the multifaceted center so that people from all over can pick up on the points of interest that are most important to them. Um, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned the Hotel Garber, you know, when that's mm -hmm. done and as businesses start to get revitalized or, or new businesses come in, it's a really exciting time for Red Cloud because of the heritage tourism opportunities and just, you know, having that destination tourism where people are really looking to go more off the grid, especially after this past year. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of potential for for exposure and, and really sharing everything about our mission and also about the world where Willa Cather lived and wrote about. And it's just, it's, it's the only place I can think about in the world that has all of those components around one writer. I mean, there's Haworth in England where the Brontes lived and all of that, but not, I don't believe to the extent that we have with all of the preserved sites and, um, all of the facets of what we're doing. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I think that's an awesome place to stop. If you have anything else to add before I get into my silly hypothetical ending question. <laughs> I, I could go on all day. It's been a great day to talk. I'm not yes. always this chatty. So, <laughs> well, thank you for, um, for entertaining all my, my fun questions. <laughs> sure. No, um, it's a great, great project. I will definitely promote it on social media. Yes. See connections <laughs> all around. Um, yeah. Well, my last uh, question, like I said, is silly and hypothetical. Uh, if you could tag Willa Cather in any post or e-news you have ever done so that she could see it from beyond the grave, which would you pick and why? Oh, that is a question I thought about a little bit. And of course, now I can't remember the Instagram moment, but do you remember a year or so ago um, when people were posting four images of something in different moods? And I can't even remember the moods, but um, I did a post with archival photos of Willa and it was very catchy and fun. <laughs> and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I can't um, So you're saying you created it. a meme? It was a, a meme. A yeah. And it was a meme. quadrant. It was a quadrant photo with um, a perfect square of four other squares. And it was a mood thing, like oh, um, okay. morning, evening. Do you remember that? Um, Maybe. Anyway. Or it's just like right. someone's four moods, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's in and out one ear. But, um, <laughs> yeah, or either that or just some of the, um, the, the things that we're doing, the grants that we're getting, like her childhood home restoration, the wallpaper, you know, things like that. I think she would really appreciate that we're doing and keeping in her legacy. And that's another thing I often think about is what would she think about all of this hoopla and red cloud um, about her and about her legacy? And I really do think she'd be proud. Yeah. I think initially she'd be like, hey, guys, I don't want this. But then she'd like <laughs> see what we're all about and all of the valuable things we're doing aside from just like hyping her up. Um, and then I think she began to understand and appreciate the educational aspects. 
Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Catherine, today. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Yes. Um, Good luck with the next phase of your career. It's thank exciting. You so much. You're in that <laughs> wonderful time where you can have so much to look forward to and so much to try on. It's really great. And thank you for all your help this summer. Well, you're welcome. And I'm glad I got to meet you and everyone else. And I will definitely always remember Red Cloud and find ways I can return back to here, you know, in spirit through your social media content or physically <laughs> to stay in the second home. <laughs> yeah, well, good. I hope you come back. And um, I hope to be out there myself this fall. So maybe we'll cross paths. Yeah, I mean, I Hopefully I'll be in Greece, but are you going to come, oh, right, you're going right. to come back for October, right? To stay. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Well, um, keep the minor house warm and cozy. <laughs> I sure will. And take a bath for me. <laughs> okay. Well, send me a postcard. <laughs> I will. I will happily send you one. <laughs>